Pastor Greg had asked me to uh, update you uh, and give a report with regard to our ministry, our, that is personally, and then also with regard to the parsonage since uh, you guys voted us in as project manager. So uh, there's not a lot that has changed since I gave this report about a month and a half ago, but uh, Pastor Greg is, uh, and all of us are really committed to keeping you informed as to where we're at. And so this is just informational, and then we're going to look at some other things. So uh, t the two areas is A, parsonage, give a report on that, and then B, with regard to our personal ministry. And uh, so we'll uh, take that in, in uh, respective order. Uh, anyway, uh, most of you know that uh, our original targeted goal uh, was $250,000. Uh, we are still on target. Uh, to uh, with that budget that we're working with. Uh, the total raise since Christmas, it has changed a little bit. Uh, we're probably closer to 140. Uh, let's see, Opal, uh, do you know if that's... Okay, yeah, because uh, I just left that plugged in from my last report. Uh, so uh, we're doing well, and you've given sacrificially total expenses to date. <coughs> are right around 120. I've rounded all these figures out so they're not to the penny. And, uh, and, uh, but that's where we're at. And, uh, <clears throat> and the balance on hand is approximately $14,000 now still on our parsonage fund in-house. And uh, so we haven't tapped into any kind of line of credit yet. And uh, uh, we knew that based on what we needed to pay, that that probably wouldn't happen until September as needed. Uh, any questions about that? Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, the work progress, uh, what we've seen happen in August that we were targeting to happen as we're closing out the month here, uh, rough plumbing and rough electrical uh, is about 90% done, uh, HVAC is completed, and then as you notice, the siding uh, got started this last week with soffit and fascia, and then we got started on uh, wall siding as well. And uh, uh, I, I, I want to, I know that Pastor uh, Chris would not mind this. Yesterday, I was leading the team on the wall siding, and there were a number of times that they got ahead of me with regard to nailing it on before they were ready or didn't have it locked in or something like that. And that happened a number of times throughout the day. So by the end of the day, Pastor Chris said, you know, I just thought of the name of the company for our siding company that we should start. I said, what's that? He says, Second Chance Siding. <laughs> I, said, I said, I like it. I like it. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, he's always uh, worth a chuckle. Uh, we, will, uh, we will be helping, as I reported last time, uh, those leading the charge in those areas, but we're not doing some of that ourselves. And uh, we are probably within a two-week window of our four-way inspection. Uh, we got all of our exterior doors, except for the basement walkout. Uh, we got all those installed. Uh, Lord willing, we'll get our windows this week. And so that's the last thing that would hold us up for our four-way. And uh, so uh, uh, 
that would be good. Our, our goal was to get our four-way perhaps by the end of August so we would be ready for insulation and drywall in September. And uh, that may have to be tweaked by a week or so, but uh, uh, we're doing well. And uh, moving forward, uh, we anticipate using uh, some of the teams that have thrown their hat into the ring. Uh, been a real blessing to have uh, Dave and Chris back there. Dave, why don't you wave your hand, you guys. And uh, uh, they've been out for 10 days, and uh, he, he's worked me really hard. You know, I'm, I'm used to quitting at a certain time, and the, the, these younger guys don't let me do that, just like yesterday. Yesterday, you know, I tell them 9 to 4. Well, at 4, uh, they said, well, if we run just a couple more courses, we're up to the windows. And I said, but then we're, I'm trying to let you guys go home on time. And they said, we don't care. I said, okay. But uh, anyway, they've been uh, uh, working really hard. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we mentioned how all of you, as well as some from the outside, have been continuing to give sacrificially as the Lord leads. And then we're still waiting on a possible grant that may come through in September or October. Uh, however, as we presented to you <clears throat> in our business meeting a couple weeks ago, we needed to put a plan in place that involves both finances <clears throat> and whether to complete the basement. That decision will be made in sometime in September. That is whether we give a green light to finish the basement. That would require the, probably the full 250 as opposed to the 205 we had budgeted for just the main level. And uh, plus it will push us back a couple of months. And uh, the Penningtons are okay with that to be pushed back a couple of months if it means that the Lord gives the green light for the funding as well as the laborers. And uh, so that's where we are at. So that's the report on uh, the parsonage progress and funds. Any questions before moving on to our next item? <clears throat> Nathan? Uh, everything has been uh, approved. Uh, they are just waiting for the uh, paperwork to get back from the underwriters. He thought that was going to happen by yesterday or Friday. It did not happen, so it'll probably happen uh, this coming week. Yes, Kevin? Uh, well, it's a difference between what we estimate to be between 205 and 250. So approximately $40,000 to finish the basement. Mm -hmm. And that would still put us in the ballpark of uh, the 100 grand that we approved for a line of credit. Uh, but ideally, we would not want to use the entire amount. Yep. But a good question. Anybody else? <clears throat> okay. Um, I decided to, uh, uh, there was a number of things when Pastor Greg indicated about our ministry, and it was only about three months ago where I actually gave you an update where we are at, that is for Elaine and I. Uh, and so those of you that were not present, uh, just kind of uh, uh, an update by way of where we are at. We have been with Biblical Ministries Worldwide. We're coming up on our 41st year with BMW. 
And uh, we have served in Utah all of our ministry life between Idaho and Utah. We have served in four different churches during those 41 years. And, uh, and the Lord has privileged us to pastor for those four different churches. Um, uh, it is a, a, a requirement that uh, during that time, I should say, leading up to it, uh, where we are right now, from 95 to 2005, I served as the field leader for the Idaho-Utah field. That is the oversight and care of all of our missionaries. From 2005 forward, uh, they asked me to serve as U.S. Area Director. So then my responsibilities expanded so that I was, had the oversight of all of our missionaries on U.S. soil. And, uh, but at the age of uh, 70, it's required that you step out of administrative uh, role. And so that's why we were on a search to find our replacement uh, to become U.S. Area Director. And so uh, uh, I didn't want to hit that mark and then say, your time's done. I wanted to find the replacement before we got there, and the Lord in his kindness did that. And uh, uh, my only, as I kidded with some of you, because those of you that know our heart, uh, that, it, it, that they divvied up the responsibilities for U.S. missionaries in three different categories, so it took three people to replace Elaine and I. Now I know why I was working so hard. And, uh, but that, that's, I'd say that tongue-in-cheek because we're grateful because it was all along we, we were lobbying that this is more than one couple can, can handle effectively. That is to fly all over the country, visiting missionaries, seeing how their ministry is going, how we can be an encouragement. And we felt like it, it needed to be two or more. And uh, so the Lord has, uh, in his kindness, done that. Um, I'm going to uh, show you a, a uh, since... Uh, the reason why I landed on this is Pastor Chris, as you well know, these two weeks while Pastor Greg is gone, he chose to speak on prayer. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to zero in on that in the Sunday school hour. First, I'm going to show you a PowerPoint uh, with regard to that. And, uh, uh, <clears throat> and this was developed by our BMW folks um, uh, some time ago that uh, as, we've, as you well know, we've had several wars that we've been involved in, right? And as of recent, of course, when my number came up for the draft, it was during the Vietnam War, where uh, many of you in this room weren't even born then. But uh, that, that ages me. But how kind of the Lord, when, when uh, the folks at BMW came up with this, it resonated with me as a military person. Because... For every soldier or military personnel you have on the front line, you have all kinds of people in a support role to support that military person on the front line. Uh, and uh, sometimes in the Lord's work, we don't get that. That is, give you an example. Since I have been over uh, and had the care and responsibility of church planters, I know that for every church planter, there's got to be hundreds of people praying for him behind the scenes, that God might give him effectiveness in his ministry. Now, I'm going to jog your memory. Those of you that have been in good churches for a period of time, when's the last time you heard a missionary come back and give a report 
he came home on furlough and he says, you know, we had to leave the field and come back to the States because we realized that we don't have enough prayer support. Most of the time, what is it? We don't have enough financial support, right? So we had to come home so we can raise more support. But may I suggest to you, <clears throat> having had the care and oversight and being missionaries ourselves for 41 years, although you're very thankful <clears throat> for the financial sacrifices people make, for us, what's more needy is God's people praying behind the scenes. Because those church planters, those missionaries that leave everything behind <clears throat> and go to the field of service they have, um, they need war heroes behind the scenes that are praying for them. And so I'm just going to quickly take you through this PowerPoint. And those of you, obviously, that uh, <clears throat> have a military background, this will uh, help you. We have, I didn't bring them this morning. <clears throat> I didn't think of it, actually. We, I have some at home. But we, uh, uh, the, our home office in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, uh, they printed these off in bookmarks so that you can pray intelligently in seven different categories for missionaries and know how to do that in an intelligent way. Because sometimes, how do we often pray for missionaries? Lord, bless the missionary. <laughs> now, is there anything wrong with that? Well, of course not. It's not unbiblical. But uh, when you can d have specific prayer requests, that makes it even more effective. But the Apostle Paul is the one that probably asked for prayer more than any other writer in the New Testament. And uh, Colossians is just one example of that where he prayed for context, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. God is the one that opens up the doors. And we're going to look at some of those other passages as we move through this. Another area to pray for our missionaries has to do with clarity, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. All of us, if you've been a Christian long enough, you've had those occasions where you've had an opportunity maybe to share a part of the message of the gospel or the whole thing. And it's after the fact that you say, oh, I wish I would have, <laughs> or I wish I would have remembered this or would have said that. Or, uh, Well, Paul understood that. Make it manifest as I ought to. It isn't the same with every individual that God brings you across their path. Now, the, the basic need is always the same. And that is that God needs to save them and wants to save them. But the, the, how you connect with that person and share the message may be very different. Uh, I, I love this one because uh, uh, <clears throat> in one sense, having studied the Apostle Paul uh, of what we glean from the scriptures, I consider him to be uh, one of the boldest men that ever lived. <laughs> and yet, what does he say here? Praying always for me that utterance may be given me, that I may open my mouth boldly uh, to make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray for me. May I suggest to you that if the Apostle Paul prayed that way, that it's appropriate for us to pray for those who are in the Lord's work? I want you to know as a matter of habit, 
that I've committed myself to Pastor Chris and Pastor Greg. When they're away speaking, I ask for their schedule, how many times they're going to speak, and I tell them I'm going to pray for them twice a day. Uh, not, I don't tell you that as a pat on the back. I just say that that's the way I can serve them, is to pray. Because I know that every time this book is open, there's a spiritual battle that takes place for the hearer of what's being heard. And uh, so, but courage, and all of us can use a, a, a measure of that, right? Courage with uh, people and boldness. Uh, how about conversions? Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Free course. We can't make that happen. People don't get saved by our witness because we're, you know, we, we, we have just the right package. We have just the right words. We have just the right personality. No, it's God that has to intervene if people are going to get saved. And so pray for conversions because as missionaries leave this country of ours and particularly go to the foreign field, uh, they've left everything behind. But they're leaving because they want to see people come to Christ. And so praying for conversion, praying for God's care. He says, again, the Apostle Paul, pray for us that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all men have faith. Not all men have faith. And we know that. Uh, I can tell you stories about our Utah field that I've served on for 41 years now. And uh, I, I remember one time in a, in a, uh, a council meeting in a, uh, a city that one of uh, a missionary colleague of ours went to. And uh, there was a gentleman that showed up in the me meeting that was very antagonistic when he found out what they wanted to do, and that was to apply to build the church building. And uh, after the meeting, he uh, came up to this missionary and said, if I have anything to do with it, you will never build a building in this county. <laughs> and you say, really, that happens in the U.S. of A.? Yep, it does. Because you see, we're, in some ways, we're in the enemy territory, right? We're in the minority. We're not in the majority. Uh, and so God is the one that has to care for us. Uh, number six is Christ-likeness, or being Christ-like. Through your prayers that Christ will be honored in my body, whether it be by life or by death, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Paul was passionate about displaying Christ-likeness in his witness to the lost and communicating the truth of the gospel. And then uh, uh, coping in 2 Corinthians. And by the way, if you noticed, all of these have to do with the Apostle Paul. That's why I didn't want to let that out of the bag before I started. That he asked specifically those that he was uh, reporting to, to pray this way. You mu also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. <clears throat> That's the passage we're going to look at in the uh, next following moments. Uh, uh, if I remember, maybe Elaine will help me remember, uh, uh, that we can, uh, next time we're together, I'll bring those bookmarks. They have these, these points on them. 
so that anytime you're praying for a missionary, you can just go through that list and pray more intelligently and specifically for that missionary. Now, I, I, my purpose is not to embarrass anyone. Not at all. But I would ask you two questions before we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And while you're turning there, because uh, people have asked, not only within the church family, but outside the church family, so Dom, are you retired? And the answer is no. <laughs> Let me bring you up to speed of kind of the philosophy of missions that has changed from my generation to the next generation, okay? My generation, when you became a missionary, uh, A, missionaries, the philosophy was missionaries never retire, right? You're always a missionary, okay? Number two is you don't plan on retirement, okay? So we didn't have any criteria where you had to put funds away for retirement. That was because retirement philosophically was not an option, okay? Now, in the last 15, 20 years, that has flip-flopped. Now, when a candidate comes to candidate school, and we've helped in that training for some 15 years, uh, uh, pastors do not want to take on a candidate's support unless you have a retirement plan for them because they don't want to be left holding the bag. And I don't mean that in a critical way. I'm just saying that's the reality. You have to have a retirement plan and require your missionaries to have a retirement plan so that when they are done with their active service, they can be sustained in some way, okay? Now, that's later, okay? Now, does that mean we have nothing? No, we have something, but see, I got started about 20 years late. Because <laughs> why? That's when the philosophical shift took place with regard to retirement. So, yes, I am one of those that doesn't have that half million in the bank to retire on. I still remember... I've told this story before. My very first ministry, I had a financial advisor that wanted to meet with me to talk about my, my financial portfolio. Well, I knew I was in trouble because, number one, I didn't know what a portfolio was, and number two, if I didn't know what it was, I probably didn't have one. But one thing that he did elevate for me that, you know, you need to plan while your children are young for the future. Uh, but when he did, you know, crunched the numbers that if you want to retire with X amount of dollars in the bank, in an IRA, by the time you hit 65, this is what you need to be putting aside now. Well, I want you to know that wasn't an option, not a missionary support back then. And uh, so I, I had to just chuckle. I said, well, obviously you've elevated my awareness that I need to start planning now, but on missionary salary, we can't do that, period. And... Uh, so I just want to educate you a little bit that as you run into missionaries, you know, we, uh, Fellowship Bible Church supports six missionaries, okay? A, I ask you, do you even know their names? And B, have you even prayed for them in the last month? Now, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip, but I want you to know our missionaries need much more prayer than they do our dollars, 
I've always said when I present our ministry to churches that it is your funds that help us uh, stay on the field. It is your prayers that help us remain effective on the field. Because I, you know, I don't want to be like a person that said, I've worked 45 years for the same company. Well, that's great, but were you effective? <laughs> Nobody wants to serve the Lord in missions and be ineffective. You know, you, you, you abandon your family and all that. That was the hardest thing for me coming from an Italian culture is that, uh, I mean, when we left Michigan uh, in uh, 1983, it was like a funeral. And I wasn't dead. <laughs> but I'm the only one that left Michigan, you see. And, and I knew at that time particularly it was hard for my parents to get their, you know, arms around that, why are you leaving us? Well, the whole element of sharing the gospel with people who have never heard was a foreign concept to them. And uh, missionaries, of course, do that all the time. Let's take a few moments to look at the, a few thoughts that I want to leave you with with regard to this last passage that we showed you in the PowerPoint. And I want to start reading in verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. Your Bible may read a little differently than mine, but you'll be able to follow along. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us on whom we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. <clears throat> and so as we look to the future personally, as uh, Elaine and I do, uh, as I presented last time in the PowerPoint, I, I gave you five areas that we are now going to shift our focus to uh, in whatever years the Lord gives us left. Okay? Uh, one was the parsonage. And... Uh, uh, we we want to make this happen. And I felt like there was, I had one more left in me, okay? And that is to, to lead the charge on a parsonage project. Number two is to shift our focus more to the field. So we are still missionaries with biblical ministries worldwide, uh, which had a part in starting this church. And we will continue our membership with them. And uh, <clears throat> And then thirdly, as the Lord gives us opportunity, to speak in conferences and churches and uh, uh, Bible college campuses, 
when they have missions conferences, which I will continue to do as the Lord gives me strength. So uh, that's the shift of our focus. So uh, the, the, the only difference is I no longer serve as U.S. Area Director. So for lack of a better term, we went back to being a demotion, okay? We are just plain old missionaries, okay? Just regular missionaries. And I don't have oversight of the U.S. anymore. But uh, <clears throat> a couple things I want to call to your attention in this passage. Number one is that it jump off the page at you how many times the word comfort appears. Uh, <clears throat> one of the principles of good inductive Bible studies is to do observation. And one of those observations is repetitiveness of words. You say, well, in this passage that we just read, nine times Paul uses the word comfort or one of the forms. It comes from the Greek word parakletos, a paraclete, one who is called alongside to help. And, uh, and here he's talking about, obviously, and all the suffering that God uh, put them through, but also put, uh, allowed them to go through with his teammates in order that he may comfort others. And he says, and God likewise allows you to go through crises and, and disappointments and tragedies and losses so that you might have a ministry to others. Now, I'd like to suggest to you, I've lived law, uh, life long enough to say to you, I, I'd like to avoid that middle step. I, I like ministering to people that are going through hard things. That I, that is, I find that personally gratifying. But I'd rather not have to go through all the hard stuff myself in order that I could be more effective in that. But that's the way God has ordained life you see, that he expands our ministry uh, in other people's lives, and we can identify with them uh, more appropriately. But nine times he uses uh, this word comfort, and, but it starts off with verse 3 that we read, that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort. Uh, but what I want to zero in on, particularly with regard to prayer, okay, because it's in that context of comfort, and that is from verse 8 and following. Um, <clears throat> it says a couple of things. Now, I'm going to couch this uh, in the backdrop of a missionary, okay? So you support six missionaries, Fellowship Bible Church does, or any missionary you're acquainted with, Okay? And you have an outline that you can pray for them. But notice what he says in verse 8. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, and we despaired of life itself. Now, let that sink in a minute. When's the last time you got a, a missionary prayer letter update that had this kind of a glowing report in it? I want you to know, Corinthians, that wow, we were stretched beyond measure. We thought the sentence of death was on us. And uh, now, what do I see there? I see it's important that missionaries communicate clearly. 
missionary, missionaries communicating. And uh, one of the, re the uh, things that I often would catch attention to, because as an area director, uh, missionaries were required either them directly or I get them through the home office, their prayer letters. And that's just to keep, you know, checks and balances. And I'd read their prayer letter, and yet I know the reality of what they're going through. And I say, in my own heart, I say, that doesn't reflect what they're experiencing right now. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that they're lying. I'm just saying that it's human nature that we want to communicate that things are really going better than they really are. Well, the fact is, missionaries are human. And they go through tough stuff. And yeah, I've had funerals for missionary wives and missionary husbands and children of missionaries. Tough stuff in our years of ministry. But missionaries communicating, and that's what Paul's doing here. And so it could be of problems. It could be having to do with the area that they're ministering to and the challenges they have. It may be of the internal pressures that they're having. Um, that's why we have, uh, for example, a candidate class in uh, language adaptation. Language adaptation, that is, we can test for that. What kind of an ability you have to learn a foreign language. Now, that doesn't mean we close the door on them if, you know, they test out of it. But, uh, uh, <clears throat> but the fact is, we, we want to test those things before they go to the field because we want to ensure their success. Not because we want to criticize them that, hey, you ain't got it, you know, right? Language adaptation, you can test for that. And, and some missionaries go and they, they just can't get the language and you're never going to be effective in a foreign culture without learning the language. You're just not. And sometimes missionaries get over there and they're two years, four years, six years, they still <coughs> are very ineffective in the foreign language. And, uh, and then people start wondering, well, are they worth supporting and so forth? Is that a fair conclusion? Well, maybe, maybe not. But missionaries communicating effectively. Okay? Paul was doing that. We feared even of death. Number one, number two, I should say, and I'm not taking these in order, is Christians praying and giving. That is in verse 11. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And of course, later on in the book, he talks about how they had sacrificially given on his behalf. So let me explain to you how missionary support goes. If you're a part of an organization that believes in faith missions, okay? Now, if, if a missionary goes with a denominational mission, they usually have a missionary pot that they pay their missionaries out of, okay? But if you're part of a mission organization that's a faith mission, like Biblical Ministries Worldwide, you get accepted by BMW, you spend whatever amount of time you have to to visit churches and individuals until you raise the support amount that the BMW has recommended, and then you can go to the field. And so then that, those funds are funneled through BMW and forwarded to the missionary. Okay? That's how faith missions works. Now, is that exciting? Yes. Is it scary? Absolutely. 
because you're dependent on God's people to remind God's people, or you're, you're dependent on God to remind God's people that they're going to send a check to BMW on the Ganino's behalf. And so that can vacillate a lot month to month. But I want you to know I would never have it any other way. Elaine and I have had an exciting missionary life over all these years. And we have never, ever lacked a meal because we didn't have what God had provided uh, for us to meet our needs. And so there's Christians that are praying and giving. And, uh, uh, and that's so, so very important. We had uh, 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 a plan that was uh, put out to the missionaries that uh, uh, to see what you can do to raise, raise 300 people that will pray for you every day. Commit to praying for you every day as a missionary. And uh, we launched that a number of years ago. Now you say, well, does that make a difference? Can it make a difference? Absolutely. Now, do I have all the answers of where God's sovereignty <laughs> meets God's provision through God's people? I don't have all those answers, but I know that when God's people get serious about praying for the things that he's, are on his heart, God moves. I still would like to be that uh, one of those people or a fly on the wall when the people were praying for Peter to get out of prison and he was released and then he knocked on the door. And they couldn't believe it as they were praying for his release. God moves as God's people get serious about the things that are important to him. And then lastly, and we're done, and that is God answering and delivering. And that's the in-between verses. Verse 9, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a de uh, deadly peril, and he will deliver us on whom we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And so the nuances of how does it all work, God's people praying and God answering. I'm not sure where exactly those two meet, but I know that God has given us a mandate to pray. And even when it comes to missionaries, he says in Luke 10, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's God's formula for getting missionaries to the field. Now, I, 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 in my own humanness, I would like, I, I'd say, God, I, I could have thought of a better way, I think. <laughs> but no, that's the way God has chosen. That pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into your harvest. So I would just wanted to raise the bar just a little bit this morning. Um, as I have matured, <laughs> prayer is way more important than it was when I was in my 20s and 30s. I spend way more time praying now than I ever did before. Now, granted, we all have our prayer lists, perhaps. We all have those relationships. We pray more for some than others. For example, I readily admit 
I pray more for my children and my grandchildren than I do for Pastor Greg. But I want you to know I still pray for Pastor Greg a lot, <laughs> you see, because I know what it's like to be the, the, the lead pastor in a ministry. Uh, and so I just want to elevate the bar a little bit and say, yeah, you know, not to put you on a guilt trip, but say, okay, could we make a difference? Whether it's the Parsonage Project, whether it's like Bible Club trying to reach this community and families for Christ, whether it's maybe in the next year, two, three, we can have a, a part in sending, seeing that more missionaries go to the field. I don't know what the Lord has. But would it make a difference? I believe it can. And when I think about 300 people praying for me every day, I want you to know there's not a whole lot more that excites me than that. And I could tell you all kinds of stories about that. Time is up. But I just wanted to challenge us together. Uh, I need to uh, ratchet that up just as much as you do. But could that make a difference in our ministry, in Pastor Greg's preaching? Uh, I, I pray for Pastor Greg and Pastor Greg, uh, Chris every time they're going to open up the Word of God because I know that spiritual battle that takes place. May uh, God help us to do that as we look to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these few moments in your word. Uh, pray that you might bless those thoughts that you have for your people and that the others will just fall off. But Lord, I, I believe that we can all glean something from this with regard to the future as we press forward as a ministry in reaching this community for Christ and as we seek the outreach of the gospel through those who have, you have called to go to a foreign land. And may you be honored and glorified through it all as we partner with them financially and partner with them in prayer. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.